What up, guys? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Cosine Conversations. Uh, this is a very special episode. We don't say that too often. Uh, today we have Trent Out Loud. He's an entrepreneur. He's an author. Um, he's a sneaker connoisseur. And we're going to be talking about all things fashion, mental health, uh, building a business, and sneakers. Uh, so without further ado, Trent, how you doing today? Very good, my brother. Thank you for having me on your show. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I greatly appreciate your time. Um, so before we start, I always like to give an opportunity for people to give their backstory. So I'm going to ask you kind of like a cliche question, right? But it's going to be a starter question, all right? All right. So if somebody had to ask, who is Trent Out Loud? What would you say? Uh, Trent Out Loud is a uh, kid who grew up in Montreal, Canada, okay. uh, Jamaican parenting. Okay. Uh, was always uh, focused on on doing things outside the box, even growing up, never stayed in that little like cookie cutter mold. Uh, you know, my sister always knew what she wanted to do. I didn't know, but I feel like the, uh, you know, I was always that kid that wanted to explore and experiment. Um, and that led that young kid to entrepreneurship. And uh, that's, that's who Trent is. So at what age did you, did you, um, did you take a first stab at entrepreneurship? Um, yeah, I, I was thinking about that when I was writing the book and I was like, where did I start? What was my first, first one? And yeah. it was, um, burning CDs. I started trend quality records. Yeah. Remember when CDs first came, CD burners came out, they were super expensive. So I, I saved up. I think I got a loan from probably somebody like, you know, give me like two, 300 bucks and I'll, I'll hit yeah. you up. And like, you know, that was my first dabble into like finding an investor. Right. And, uh, yeah, so I got a CD burner. I even got the little labels. And it's, you know, all quality records, but then the price of CD burners came down and nobody wanted to mess with me no more. (laughs) (laughs) I think all like, I think at one point, man, we've all dabbled into, I used to sell CDs too, like little $5. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. You know, just to, uh, just to, just to get started. That's, that's pretty cool, man. Yeah. Um, So I, myself, man, uh, my parents, uh, kind of Caribbean, Central America, they're from Panama. So, you know, I know, uh, you know, growing up for me, was, was kind of cool but then it was kind of different because my parents were strict um they were strictly on education did did your parents coming from a Caribbean background did they did they push education or did they push you getting a job or were they or were they supportive of the entrepreneurial uh endeavor oh it it was just straight entre- uh straight uh, education there was no sort of like going outside of the box um <laughs> my father uh my father's mother left Jamaica and went to England to study nursing and I, she got a nursing degree, but she told my dad that when he came to Canada, he got, had to get a bachelor's degree. Mm-hmm. Then when I was born my, and my sister, my dad was like, whatever we have, you have to have two of. So I have one degree. He's, you guys need to get a master's. Your kids need to get doctorates. That didn't work out. My sister got her master's. That right. did not work out. Um, I graduated high school, but I took like a different route. I self-educated myself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a degree is not taking anything away from a degree, but you know, there's other forms of education out there. You know, I read a lot of business books. I read autobiographies, which led me to write How Sneakers Saved My Life and Ruined My Life. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, my parents were always pushing education. Um, you know, and I, I do reference that in the book. And it's, and it's uh, I think that even though, like, I didn't pursue that, I think the importance of knowledge, right. of gaining knowledge is what I got from that. And I just decided to ingest it my own way. Gotcha. It makes up a great point. You know, with you being an author, what was a, what was one book that you read early on that kind of resonated with you the most that kind of helped you on your journey of becoming an entrepreneur and author? Well, I'm was actually like a really late uh, reader. Um, the first book I read was like, oh my gosh, like way after high school. And uh, it was actually a girl that I was dating. And she was, yo, okay, every Friday night, I like to read books. And I'm like, yo, we need to go to the club. We talked about <laughs> reading books. <laughs> like, what are you right, talking right. about? We partying and drinking. And she's right. like, no, but we go to Chapters, which is like the biggest bookstore here in Canada. She's like, we're going to go to Chapters and uh, you're going to find a book. And I was like, geez, all right. But I liked it, right? So I was like, okay, whatever you want to do, I'm down. Right, and right, right. Uh, so, um, so I got my first business book. And then uh, it, it took from there. So I read, uh, I started studying great leaders. So um, uh, Howard Swartz, who started Starbucks, which is my favorite company in the world. So I read all the Starbucks books. Then I read about Steve Jobs, uh, Richard Branson, um, Ted, Richard Branson, who started Virgin, Ted Turner, um, CNN. Uh, I wanted to, to study people who had billion dollar companies and just you know, take little nuances from each story. Um, to answer your question, the, the, the most... Uh, you know, game changing one for me was, was Richard Branson. 
losing my virginity. It just, there's so many lessons and so many little like things that I picked up from there. So that was probably my favorite uh, business book and Barack Obama, I read all of Barack Obama's books. Too. Oh, that's nice. Great, great leader. Yeah. If you want to lead, you got to study great leaders, right? Nah, for sure. And he's definitely. probably the best out of all of them. Definitely. Definitely, bro. Well, let's, let's keep going on this journey till, till you become an author, right? So okay. talk to us, talk to us about how you, how you founded uh, your company, um, Exclusivity. Um, well, um, so I talked about this in the book where I've always, from a young age, I've always, uh, known that multiple revenue streams were always, was always really important. Um, and, um, you know, I always like to have a couple of pots on the fire to make, you know, when one starts to cook up, that's the one that you pay attention to. Right. But how are you going to know unless you have multiple pots? So at Sioux City was just a a pot on the fire for me. And, um, I was modeling at the time. I was doing acting. Uh, you know, I had various different things kind of going on. Um, I was, that's why at first I just started, you know, selling clothes out the trunk of my car. Cause I was like, I don't know nothing about retail. Like it's right. just like a little side hustle, you know, long tees and do rags, you know, as it, as it kind of picked up momentum, uh, there, there came a point where I was like, okay, now like I have this store then I left and I had my first uh, brick and mortar location. Okay. And then once we got, you know, we started getting into shoes, I had to make a choice to say like, do I continue with my modeling career? Or do I continue with some other avenues? Um, and then I, I made a choice uh, because of the, um, you know, because of the um, the energy that yeah. I feel like I was building in Montreal. Like I said earlier, like you kind of have to look and say, like, it's great to have multiple revenue streams, but let me kind of put, you know, more of my attention to X with City. So it's, uh, you know, it just it just came out of like a side hustle, to be honest with you. <laughs> and what is, I think I read it was, you started in 2006? Was it 2006? 2006, yeah. Officially, I was around 2004-ish. I was selling clothes out the trunk of my car, but 2006 is when I had my first brick-and-mortar location in the basement and an official company. Awesome. So, you know, we're in an age of information and, and numbers, mm-hmm. right? Um, starting in 2000, well, officially starting in 2006, and you end up okay. building this multi-million dollar brand. How long mm-hmm. did that take you to get to that point? Oh, super good question. A lot of these, you know, younger generation, younger entrepreneurs think like, I'm going to get on, I'm going to sell NFTs, I'm going to be a multimillionaire in two seconds. <laughs> I'm not saying that that can't happen and it does, you hear about it. But right. like I said, when you study like the history of business over the, the past, you know, hundred years, right. um, um, Sam Walton, who started uh, Walmart, mm-hmm. listen to this, he didn't start Walmart till he was 44 or 45 years old. Yeah, exactly. One of the <laughs> biggest retail stores ever. Um, so it's, I would say I didn't make my first million dollars till, wow, like probably within the first location. And that was four years, maybe five years. I remember like adding up like, wow, we did a hundred thousand dollars. That was crazy. Right. And I'm like, wow, if you do the two years together, shit, I made a half a million dollars, yo, that's crazy. You know right. And I remember like, up to be like wow in four years I did a, a million dollars that's passed through my hand you right. know fast forward to now and you know we have some months that you do a million dollars in sales right so, yeah. so entrepreneurs wondering I know when you first started and when you're doing a hundred thousand a year to doing a million dollar months there's there's some growing pains and lessons in between Ooh. right too, What's too many valuable <laughs> thing that's helped you grow to be able to have a million dollar month oh well the most important lesson to me in my whole entrepreneurial journey, it was losing millions of dollars. That's what the second book is about, how sneakers right. ruined my life. Right. Um, so, you know, to answer your question and then to, to, to add in what I want to add in, right. I, think the, I think the lessons, you know, getting to the million was just sticking with it. Like right. that was really hard of like, Hey, you know, I'm happy to make the hundred or 200,000, but it's like, is this really going to get me to where I wanted to go? So my answer to that would really be to sticking through the, the, uh, the difficult years, but not just difficult, but like through the, uh, like it's almost like kind of like, um, like mind numbing a little bit, right. Where it's like, there's really nothing going on. And like people miss like, Oh, that's the grind. Yo, that grind is tedious. That's the word I'm looking for. You know, getting through the tedious process of entrepreneurship where it's, I remember sitting at the store having no employees and like two people coming in throughout the whole entire day. And I'm like, damn, bro, you know? <laughs> and then like the next day you're just like, wow. And it was in the basement of a tattoo parlor, bro. I didn't have 
no cell phone reception, no windows, no nothing. I was just there in a 200 square foot basement being like, yo, somebody going to come in today. But right. if I would have given up at that time, I wouldn't be sitting here on your show today. You right. know what I mean? So that's the lesson to get to the million dollars is don't take that word that, yo, I'm grinding for granted. It's you got to get through those, through those times. Right. Um, the biggest lesson for me um, in my overall entrepreneurship, uh, entrepreneurial years has definitely been the downturn. And you talk to any like consultants or, or people like you learn the most when you're losing money. Because when you're making money in the upturn trajectory, you're just like, yeah, we're coming in, we're opening stores, it's great. But how do you handle the downturn? How do you slow it down? And how do you deal through the process of losing millions so that you could make your way back up? And you know, if you don't know, get my book, How Sneakers Ruined Your Life, because I tell you all about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's awesome, man. So, so you wrote two books, How Sneakers yeah. Say and How They Ruined Your Life, right? Mm-hmm. So, I'm pretty sure when you're writing this, you're going through all the emotions. You're living through it twice. <laughs> Facts. You know, right? You're living through it twice, man. Um, and a lot of people don't talk about mental health and business. You know, like even for myself, like I'm so used to kind of like you say, the grind every day, every day. Yes. I have to find something yes. to do. I have to accomplish a goal, right? But yes. then you lose out a lot on life. I'm losing out on personal relationships, um, spending time with friends, doing or building my own personal life. Um, yeah. dealing with life itself man how did you how did you go through all that and balance all that while you know having to live through it twice by writing the book like what kind of where was your mental health at your mental capacity and how did you overcome that um the short answer is therapy uh you gotta you gotta get help man yeah. you know a lot of us don't uh especially the black community uh the minority community we we think oh man you know i'm not crazy I'm just depressed. You know, depression is a sign of, you know, mental health, right? Uh, Anxiety. Um, So I've had experience with with therapists um, before in my my younger years. I touch on that um, in book one. But in book two, what I found was really interesting is as much as I am a mental health advocate and as much as I believe in therapy, um, I started going to therapy you know, just right at the start of like the downturn where like the first year we kind of broke even and like, you don't just like wake up and lose a million dollars. You see, hey, sales are going down. We only broke even. What's going on? Okay, let me get some consultants and consultants are like, hey, in the next six months, you're going to lose $2.3 million. And by next year, you're going to be bankrupt. And you're just like, holy shit, you know? And and for me, um, you know, I talk about this. I, I kind of detail that moment where I was on such um, um, a, a path of like a blind path. Like I didn't see the downward trajectory and I didn't want to believe it. They had to have an intervention for me. Um, mm-hmm. I had two consultants and up a lot of my upper management and they were like, you're going to have to file for bankruptcy if you don't um, start, you know, changing your ways. Um, and I knew part of that changing my ways wasn't only from a financial and a business point of view. It was also changing my ways internally. Mm-hmm. So um, um, I went to therapy um, it's, it's, you know, I got some diagnoses, which, you know, I, I do talk about in the book where they say you may be suffering from um, hypomania um, or mania, which is a, um, you know, which is, uh, you know, in the family of, of bipolar disorder. Right. And it's like, well, you know, like maybe that could have been, you know, some of the reasons why you've made the decision. So I had to deal with my company and also deal with myself. And it was right. so hard. And, uh, I, I did what I feel like a lot of people do. And you're just like, man, my therapist doesn't know what he's talking about. Like, right, right. Uh, I don't, I don't need therapy. I'm fine. And then the alternative was I started drinking. I started trying to go out and I say like, I got lost in trying to lose myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, I went on a really bad, like downward spiral. And uh, you know, it's hard waking up saying shit, you know, I might lose everything I worked the past 10 years for, right. you know, I, I, I might, you know, lose everything that I struggled and I grinded for. And, um, you know, it was, it was the pandemic with, and the world stopping that, you know, kind of broke that, okay, I'm going to stop going out. I'm going to stop trying to party. I'm going to stop trying to, you know, lose myself in, in not being able to deal with myself. And I call back my therapist and I was like, you know, I'm really sorry that I haven't seen you in the past year. And he's like, don't be sorry. That's what we're here for. Right. You know, the fact that you called me, that's, that's the first step, you know, and, you know, through the pandemic, I went through therapy and then I started writing the book and, 
I'm in a much better place now. Am I, am I perfect now? No. Um, you know, I, I'll detail that more, uh, um, in, in the third book, but, um, yeah, it was, dude, it was, it was tough, man. It was really bad. Man. I, I know you, um, <clears throat> you probably detail this all in the book, but what I want to say, ask is outside of therapy, right? Nobody really talks about taking losses in business, right? Instagram is, is a facade. Of course. It's your highlight reels, all the wins, mm. right? But somebody tells you, hey, you're going to have to file for bankruptcy. Your business is failing. What's the first step to turn that around? Like I said, I know you, I know you probably go into really detail in the book, but what's that first step mm-hmm. for somebody who's knowing, hey, I haven't, I haven't been in the green in a long time. Like, what's that first step to turn that around, to, to be able to turn your business around? You want to know what my first step was? Yeah. Just being honest, drinking. Drinking. I, I didn't want to take the step. I didn't want to believe it. Right. I, I, I could turn it around. I, I could change it. Uh, it's just a bad couple of months. I'm going to do this. And instead of sitting down and dealing with it, you leave that meeting and you're like, fuck, I don't know if I could really do this. And then I, I was drinking. I need to go on a vacation. I didn't deal with it. Um, what I should have done and what I would have done now is your first step is to um is to face it is to deal with it and ask for help you know and not just help with consultants and then go and you know you know and try to um pretend it's not there anymore like really you got to sit down with yourself like lock yourself in a room and and look at yourself in the mirror like it it's it's deeper than the number it starts in here and i only realized after the pandemic and the only way to change anything even numbers is you have to start here. Right. It's going to be like self-aware within yourself. Yeah, exactly. If you don't, if you don't know it, then how are you ever going to change it? It sounds simple, but I, mm-hmm. I talked with my accountant and she was like, cause there's a lot of business owners that will, you know, no, 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 you don't know what you're talking about. And notice, right? Like, oh, you don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, my therapist doesn't know what he's talking about. If you're at a point where nobody around you knows what they're talking about and, they, <laughs> and, and they're paid to give you advice, like their job is to give you the best advice possible and you're not taking advice, that's when you're like, okay, there's something that I got to look in deeper within. And I wasn't able to look deeper within because I was hiding myself in, in alcohol and partying and, and smoking and, you know, being in Jamaica, being in Barbados and like, oh. and dating and, and, and trying to pretend that, you know, that stuff wasn't really there. Right. But like you said, like, you feel like you're in a better place now. So obviously something changed. So what made yeah. you, you know, what made you put the bottle down? What made you get serious? What made you to finally realize I need to live within myself? Cause it had to be something that you chose. So what, what inside you ignited, ignited that for you? Lockdown. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't fly anywhere. But for yeah, some people, it, it, it enhanced their vices. So even if you're on lockdown, now they're in the crib by themselves drinking more. Um, so good, good point. I was at such a low that I knew within me that I know that I couldn't go any lower. So thank you for, for giving me that credit. I was self-aware, but right. the fact that the pandemic was there and I could be like, okay, we have to be, because I think I was also like, I think I was also like a little afraid to do it. I was afraid to stop everything on my own. So I used the lockdown as kind of like an excuse kind of, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? I'm like, oh, I can't go out. I can't party with you. I can't do anything. Right. Where there were people that were doing those things, I was like, okay, no. And I'm like, let me just take this time. So I think I was at such a low place and I was in such a rut that I knew you, you're always aware, like, you know, when you're in a bad place, but you know, just that lockdown was like, hey, the world's shutting down. Why don't I take a second to shut down? And that, you know, three or four weeks of shutting down and not drinking, like, I literally feel like, like the skies opened up, like things, everything felt brighter. And, and I saw what people were saying. They're like, look, you don't have a, a, you don't have a great chance of, of saving your company, but there is a chance. But because I was in such a dark place, I couldn't see that chance. The yeah. three or four weeks at the beginning of lockdown, let me be able to look out the window and say, oh shit, I see that opening in the sky, you know? And now when I look at it, I, the whole fucking sky is open now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, man. So you have to be, you have to be ready for it. You're, you're right. No, that's amazing. So let's go back to you, you penning your first book, How Sneakers Saved, How Sneakers Saved, okay. Life, right? Okay. Um, you wrote that all yourself or do you have a co-writer or? 
all on my own. I did have an editor because, um, you know, I'm dyslexic. So writing for me is very, very hard. I'm the worst speller in the world. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I really wanted it to be in my voice. Um, I wanted to be, and that's why I self-published it. I didn't want to have to waste the years of somebody saying, you can't talk like this and you can't say that. Um, You know, when I gave it to my lawyer, he's like, it's so refreshing to read a colloquial style writing. I'm like, what the fuck is colloquial style writing? I even know. I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, it's when you write like how you talk. So if you read it, like I wrote the book for a younger demographic. I wrote it for us. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when you take up some books, even as much as those books that I said that I liked reading, like I read a Barack Obama's book sometimes and I'm like, what did he just say? And I got to like, you know, yeah. turn it back, you know, like I see reviews or I see comments about my book and they're like, wow, I read your book in one day, you know, mm-hmm. cause it's just easy reading. So I really, really, and I know there's a lot of good co-writers out there that could keep it in your voice. Like I heard like Will Smith, this book is really good or Charlemagne, like, but I really wanted it to be like my words. I wanted it to be all me, you know, it's like, I think of my book as a long ass text message. Like it's literally, <laughs> I have, yeah, you know, I have hashtags, I write LOL. Like I, right. I, I break the norm of what traditional writing style um, is. So yeah, I did it all on my own, man. No, that's awesome. So when somebody reads the first one, what, what, what do they, what do you want them to take away from it? Honestly, because what some people may take away is different yes. from what you may honestly want them to pull from there, from your experience. What would you say that is that takeaway is? So I want, I, I end off the book with, I, I was like, I'm giving away the last page. I shouldn't give this away, but <laughs> like the, 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 for me, how, why sneakers saved my life is that it gave me financial freedom. Um, and that's what I think, that's what I believe entrepreneurship does. It gives you financial freedom. And I highlight that the key word in there is freedom and not financial. Cause you know, from the second book, I lost a lot of money that I made, but I was always like, I say this, like when I have kids, I'll be rooting my kids and pushing for them to be in entrepreneurship, just like how soccer moms are pushing their kids to be in soccer or ball or whatever. Like, I don't feel like sports or all these other avenues can give you what entrepreneurship is. Passive income. You know what it is to really be like, oh, I'm going to be my own boss. Like, and it's, 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 it's hard. Don't get me wrong. But there's yeah. certain like beauty in owning your own business and, and having that, you know, and having that luxury of having your own freedom, it's beautiful. So I hope that the, the entrepreneurs that may be on the fence, or you might be at your job thinking about entrepreneurship, I think that, or in sports or whatever it is that you do, that uh, you could look at entrepreneurship in a different way um, and see that it can be done. And uh, I, I just, I think entrepreneurship is beautiful. So I hope it encourages people to be more entrepreneurial. Not for sure. Do you do you think what you built can be replicated in like 2022? Um, or do you think like the sneaker industry has changed so much that you would have to pivot to something else? Wow, that's a very loaded question. <laughs> um, you know, because it's very important to never tell anybody that anything is impossible. Right. Because right? right. if you, you know, like it's impossible. People say things are impossible because they can't do it. Right. right. Um, so nothing is impossible, but it is very, very, very friggin' difficult <laughs> to be able to build a national brand. And not because it's hard work, but because Nike, like you said, the sneaker industry has changed. When right. I, it's even changed now, my dealings with Nike and Adidas changed. I'm like, I don't understand why you guys are treating me like this. What's going on? But they're, right. yeah, their whole structure, their CEO. Well, let's really talk about it. It's, it's really Nike, right? You can't open a sneaker boutique without having a Nike account anywhere right. in the world. You know, consultants will be like, you need to diversify. Like, dude, no, nothing is going to sell like Nike. They're, they own, right. you know, 92% market share in basketball. You know what right. I mean? Like they, they started sneaker culture. Um, so uh, when I started, Nike direct consumer was probably like 5%. So their revenue came from their retailers, right. you know, the foot lockers, the this and the whatever, and then their independent stores. And um, now I think it's John Donahue, but even before there, Mark Parker said, you know, we're going to get to 50 billion dollars in 2020 he fell short of that mark because of adidas but his way of how he's going to increase profitability was to be able to get direct to consumer how do you do that you cut out your retailers and you sell directly to your consumer right Right? so i'm selling a jordan for 250 nike's like why should you sell it for 250 we're going to sell it for 250 and make what you're making off of it right um 
so it was, it's it's hard because Nike's not looking for retailers. You know, mm-hmm. Nike Nike right now are are looking for influencers and authenticators like myself that have been in here for 15 years, and we we give credit to to their releases and to their to their to their brands, and that's why that there is a little window for that. Um, if you're you know if you could be influential, um, then you you can open a secret boutique, but it's not about numbers for them anymore. It's not about like how much can you buy from them anymore. It's about mm-hmm. how influential and how much you could change and how much of an impact. That, that's that's the trick. You want to open a secret boutique? Show Nike and Adidas that you're impactful in your community. That's what they want. That's actually an amazing viewpoint. Um, okay, let's talk about it from a business standpoint. Then, do you just your opinions? Do you feel like if somebody has impact in the sneaker community, do you feel like it's worth the time and energy, or is there ways for them to still have the same impact without having to to host a brick and mortar location and go through you know the financial. <clears throat> Uh, investment that it would take well i just did a, a quick little interview with um complex uh, magazine that it actually just dropped today um and i'm i i'm i'm quoted as saying retail scares the shit out of me <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just give it i gave a course at uh, a business school here john colson last year and it, oh, sorry, sorry, it was before the pandemic retail fucking sucks like if you're impactful and you're influential i would recommend you find other avenues other than brick and mortar retail. Yeah. Um, you know, even me, I mean, what it's, it's what I do is build stores. I would be scared as hell right now to sign a 10 year lease. Mm. What the hell is the world going to look like <laughs> one year from now? How the hell do you, because you, you, know, you sign a 10 year lease, you spend a bunch of money at the build out. You don't make money the first year. You make money on the third and fourth year, right? Mm. How, I don't know what the hell is going to happen in three or four years. What's Nike and Jordan Adidas going to look like in three or yeah. four years? What's the world going to look like? So, um, you know, I, I would, again, not shooting down anyone's dream if that's what you want, because there is room for um, experienced retail stores. If you're going to open up and be traditional and be normal like everybody else and have a cash register and you're going to go up first of all nike's not going to fuck with you anyways but you know what i'm saying if you could open up some sort of experience and 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 find a different way for your customer to interact with the product that's yeah. when the brands are going to need you because the brands can't solidify themselves they need you to do that so if you're going to open up a retail store make that shit different make it crazy make it instagrammable um and make sure you have a you know a good online component so that you know sure. shit gets shut down again that you know you're not depending <laughs> to pay that rent right sure uh will you be joining the metaverse <laughs> hell fucking yeah we won't have a choice you know that's <laughs> like asking somebody 10 years from now like are you gonna be on social media you won't be able to survive if you go on, on, on the metaverse and and that's what i'm i'm having you know a little bit of difficult with with nike right now where they would rather their retailers stay traditional traditional retail, right. you know, with having some sort of experience, but they're like, yo, we don't want you to go too vertical. We don't want you to go too online. I'm like, yo, I should be thinking about how to get into the metaverse right now. And you're trying to tell me like, I need to stick with retail and have a cool retail experience. Like that's, yeah. first of all, I have, I've done it for 15 years, but yo, the metaverse, that's, that's where it's going to be at, man. Yeah, not for sure. Have you dealt with NFTs or anything yet? No, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't. I'm, still trying I haven't. To, I'm still trying to figure that out, man. These these, these yeah are, are scaring me right now, man. <laughs> exactly. I I I know enough about it to to know that like it's something that I need to get into, right. but I haven't like dabbled in the space from a financial standpoint. But if you don't know what it is, then that's a problem. Got you. How um to offset? How does being an author change your personal influence, right? I was I was reading mm. something, and um, I think it was Ash Cash. He has a, a podcast and a show, and he was saying when you when you have your, when you have a personal when you have a personal brand and you have uh, your subject matter and you have a, a story to tell, changing mm. an author will definitely change the trajectory of your future, right? How has you know becoming an author and penning your book changed your personal influence? I'm on your show. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I've been doing this for, for 15 years. And yeah, I've had the, you know, the, you know, we had the galaxy phone posits, the news came, they interviewed me, et cetera, et cetera. But when you have a story to tell and when you're, when you're an author, um, you know, 
people want to talk to you, right. you know? Um, and like you said, like, you know, what was the purpose of my first book? And it was to promote um, and to inspire entrepreneurship. And my second book is about, you know, once you get there, you know, how to be careful um, and how to protect yourself um, financially and more important, mentally, right. when the roadblocks, the inevitable roadblocks of entrepreneurship comes, um, and, you know, and people, you know, are going to want to know about them and hear about that. And I love, as you know, as you can tell right now, I love talking, <laughs> you know, and I love inspiring, um, right, you, sure. you know, especially, especially the younger generation. So, you know, the, in the two months that I've had my books out, it's, it's, it's got me on platforms. It's got me to meet really great people, have really good conversations. And you know, what's good about meeting people too. Like I, I learn stuff from the questions that you ask me or what people ask me. So, right. um, it's not only about teaching somebody, but it's also about learning too, you know? So it's been amazing for the first two months. Oh, no, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome to hear, man. Um, so when we go back to the grind, you know, with you and the story you're telling in the second one, how it ruined your life and everything you dealt with mentally. Mm. Some people would say, you know, who aren't hustlers or grinders, they would say, why didn't you just quit, right? Exactly. Do you ever feel like there's a reason why an entrepreneur or speaking of yourself should quit and hang it up? Or do you yeah. think we should always adapt and pivot? Like, give me your intake on that. Uh, that's that's a great question. And I do talk about that, I think, in the first book. And I'm like, it was even before, like, was, I had five or six companies before um, Exclusivity. Um, and I talk about, like, you know, being broke, like, living off my line of credit, like, being on welfare. And I was out in Toronto, and I was strung out, and I had nowhere to live. And I stop, and I'm like, by the way, I know there's some of you that are asking yourselves, hey, why don't you just pick back up? go home, you know what I'm saying? Like call your mom or your sister and say, Hey, can I stay there and get a job? And my answer to that is like, that's just not in me. Right. That's just not how I'm built. You know, um, the, the, one of the hardest things in life is not being able to give up. Like, yo, when you say not to give up, people don't realize like, yo, it's easy to give up. It's right. so hard not to give up. Like, it's so like, it's so like painful for me. And that's one of the 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 only things that's like and that's why i hope this book talks to the people who have the entrepreneurial kind of like fire in them those people that don't have that give up quality right or that go back home quality but still you know may just need a little extra push but it's it's hard for me uh to give up bro it's hard no, i feel you man when i first started my publication i i i bet everything on there man i maxed yeah. credit cards um, borrowing money. I'm doing everything just because I didn't want to, like, I didn't want to give up. I didn't want to go get a job. I like this. Exactly. Has to work. This was my plan B. Like, this, yeah, exactly. it has to work. My plan A and my plan B, it has yeah. to work, man. So I've definitely been there, but, um, you know, I've always wanted to ask other people that question is like, um, is there a point where you feel like you should quit? Because for me, it's like, I can't see myself doing anything else. Right. Exactly. So it's just yeah. basically just, you know, figuring it out. And I think one thing I could say was great about you as well is because is that, you know, uh, becoming an author and telling your story. It essentially only brings more awareness to what you have going on to your other brands and businesses. So it's yeah. like your personal brand, your personal influencing is also going to funnel and, you know, increase mm. you know, uh, uh, income for your other brand. So it's. Uh, yeah it's a great thing to have as well yeah exactly no it's it's for sure and it's like i have been told many a times like even with extra city one of my consultants was like just get ready because it's inevitable like you're gonna have to file for bankruptcy like it's coming but i'm like it's not fucking here yet yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> so i will only and you know like i said that was you know when i was in toronto like on welfare or whatever but even i think it's harder when you have success and i have a I talked about it in the book, right? I have a house that has six bathrooms and I have everything. And they're like, yo, you could just get out now and you lose the store, but you could still keep your personal things. And I'm like, nah, like losing the store. I don't want to have this house and then lose the store. And like, and I bet on that, right? I remortgaged my house. I maxed out every single thing I had, all my savings and everything. And to me, the only time I would stop is just when I don't have the store, when I don't have the accounts, when I don't have anything and I can't do anything more, that would be like, all right, what am I going to do next? You know, yeah. <laughs> like I might stop that, 
but I'm still not going to go out and I don't want to say I'm not going to go out and get a job because there's, there's everybody, I don't want to be like a Dame Dash. It's like, everybody needs to be a boss. Right. And you know, right, right. it's like, it's just, we're, we're, I think you and I are talking about people like us, people that right. have that entrepreneurial blood in them, you know, and it, entrepreneurship is not for everybody, but um, yeah, exactly. Dude, I'll, I'll dust it off. I'll call you and be like, yo, what's up? <laughs> you, know, like, what's going on? you need help with your publication like what do you do? like I'll, I'll i'll call people i'll you know i'll find my way you know and i think also um a little part of me um loves that that risk factor in it right. you know like that's the fun like kobe bryant says like it's not winning the championship it's the road to the championship that's fun yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, Absolutely. and that's what's great about being able to write my book. It's the story of my journey that's right. fun. Those are that's the 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 crux of the story. That's the juicy part, you know? Right. Selling up the trunk of my car, being broke, being on welfare, bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the fun of entrepreneurship. Nah, definitely. Man, have you ever have you ever felt I hate to ask this, but you know, like okay. I said earlier, Instagram is a facade. Have you ever felt um embarrassed or anything or or ashamed of, of telling this or exposing yourself to saying that hey i'm gonna have to file bankruptcy because you know we're so we're such in a world where it's like you have to show your wins but i love that yeah you're the losses like have you felt embarrassed about it or are you comfortable with them now or have you always been comfortable with it oh okay so i thought you were gonna say oh, was i embarrassed about the things i used to do on my instagram because when i was on a downward spiral i was Bro, I look at my Instagram now and I'm like, how the hell? Like, it was a mess. My friends talk about it now and they were like, yo, we tried to talk to you, but like, yeah. you were just too far out there. So, I'm sorry. Recently, I it's, you were pretty going... clean up. it's pretty clean now. It's yeah, pretty yo, clean that's now. why you go to my Instagram. There's only five or six posts because through therapy, like I had to wash myself of that guy. But when I go back in my, because your stories are always there, right? right? You go back into your stories and I try to find dates and I'm like, how could I have posted that? Whatever. <laughs> um, but uh, so to answer to your question, um, am I embarrassed talking about um, almost having to file for bankruptcy, losing millions of dollars? Um, and your answer is no. Like, I feel proud to say right. that. Um, I feel like it's an honor. Like, it's a, you know, it's a badge of honor. It's a war yeah. wound. Yeah. That, that, that's how I look at it, you know, because I'm better now. I thought I was an, a good entrepreneur before. Man, I wasn't shit. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, you taking those L's, that's when you're like, okay, you know, like, I'm never going to get here again. and I'm sharp. I am. I am amazing now. You know. Yeah. No, that's real. In, in the Bills community, man. Just to give you my perspective, I mm-hmm. had a studio. Um, so I'm in. I'm in Dallas. So there's a there's a city outside of Dallas called Arlington where the Dallas Cowboys play. Right. Mm-hmm. I had a studio there, and I ended up losing the studio. And I was, you know, I felt so ashamed, man. I'm like, ah, I'm, a, I'm like a loser. Yeah. And, um, it took me about a year. I was lying, telling people, oh, man, you know, I just, I wanted something different, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, took yes, about a, yes. it took about a year and I was like, man, I'm just going to tell my story. So me and my team did a documentary on entrepreneurship, rented a, uh, rented a movie theater, uh, completely sold out. It was the first time I shared with everyone that, you know, wow. I lost the studio because I was so worried about the look of having my own yes. studio that I wasn't actually doing business. I had nobody renting it, but I was in there all day just hanging wow. out, right? Wow. And when I realized once I told people of the loss, I took the L's I took, man, it built a community of so many people saying, man, that's been, I've been, mm. this happened to me too, man. I lost my studio or man, my house exactly. got foreclosed or they repoed my car. And it's just exactly. like, man, like, you're not the only one. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know? And I think we did the same thing. That's why I was posting that shit on my Instagram before. Cause I didn't want to come out then and say, Oh my gosh, I'm losing a lot of money. I'm closing stores. People would be like, Oh, how come XOC is closing? What's going on? And I'm like, Oh, we're just, you know, reinventing ourselves. We're just doing this. I made a bunch of freaking excuses. You know, I remember, I remember even at my mom's house, my brother-in-law was like, yo, why are you closing the Brampton store? And I'm like, yo, trust me, this is going to make me more money in the future. I didn't want to say, well, yo, I fucked up and you know, yeah. this is happening and I shouldn't have spent so much money at that store. So even with my family and my friends, I wasn't being honest. And nine out of 10 people that are on Instagram that are flossing and showing that stuff off, it's because there's a lot of shit in the background and they're trying to make you think that, you know? So um, that's the stuff that I'm embarrassed about the, you know, the showboating and the, and, and trying to make you feel like I was living a good life. That's embarrassing coming to you now as Trent um, and raw and open. It's, it's, it's my proudest moment. One of my proudest moments. 
Nah, I appreciate that, man. And yeah. I have to ask you, you mentioned just brought up your name. Where did the out loud part come from? Um, I don't know. Somebody was like, because <laughs> uh, <laughs> at first, like, I didn't want to, like, I don't want to put my name on Instagram, but I want to do this. Yeah. And I just asked me, I'm like, let's come up with a cool name. And they're like, yo, dude, you're so outspoken. You're tread out loud, <laughs> you know? So yeah, it, it just came out like that. Um, but now I'm trying to be um, out loud without having to be physically loud. Mm. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm trying to learn that, right? Sometimes you, you speak louder being quiet. Right. Yeah. And just, just, you speak louder with your, with your moves and, and, and exactly and touch yourself and actually having to, to speak. That's amazing. Exactly. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't ask this question because we are, we are mm-hmm. co-sign, right? Okay. Um, can you think back, whether it's the book or you can talk about your stores of who the first person, um, to actually co-sign you, vouch for you, endorse, endorse what you were mm. doing, and what the significance of that was? Ooh. Um, I'm going to say my mom, because okay. she was my biggest, uh, my biggest supporter ever since I was a little, little kid. She's always made me feel like I was this tall. Right. I was always amazing. I was always the smartest kid best looking everything i did was amazing you know what I'm, I'm i don't yeah shout out to mom i know a lot of moms do that to their kids especially their boys but you know my mom did it on another level like my confidence my bravado come, comes from her but in an entrepreneurial way i think the first person was a guy named um david cox um he was a um an a and r at universal in toronto um, and I was in the music industry and I had an artist and I put together like a package of CDs, like a press kit. And I put it together, like in a kind of like in a different way. And he, he emailed me and he's like, yo, I just want to let you know, like I get 400 CDs a week. And yeah. this was back in the day where you would send somebody a CD in the mail. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and he was like, yo, this stood out to me. He's like, I, I really think you have something. So he was interested in me as a manager more than my artist. Um, he's like, yo, you know, you ever want to come to Toronto, do a showcase. And, you know, he told some people in the industry and he was like, yo, you're going, he's like, your artist is dope, but he's like, you have something in you, man, like explore that. And it gave me the confidence at that younger age to move up to Toronto. I got an office out there and I I got into the music industry because he gave me that nod. So shout out to click. That's his name. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Do you still delve in music, any sorts? Um, just other than like consuming it and, and, and loving it, but um, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, uh, no, that was back in the day where like we were trying to figure out like, you know, people weren't buying CDs and like, you know, like uh, not Napster, but it was like, you know, the illegal downloading and whatever, and they couldn't figure out. So that was before streaming. So, you know, I don't know anything about the music industry now. <laughs> These 360 deals and all that shit, that's, whew, music industry is a whole other beast right now. I'm going to just say stay independent until it's the right situation. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like, dude, when I was in the music industry, we were shooting videos. Like, that's when, like, Drake was starting. Like, and he was, like, in Toronto. And him and I were doing, like, videos. We had the same production company and stuff. Like, I talked about that in the book. But, uh, yeah, the music industry, I love it. Like, to be honest with you, my ultimate goal would be to have some sort of um, business in the music industry. Like, I like fashion and I like sneakers, but I don't consider myself a sneakerhead music is my first love like yeah if i could one day do something in the music industry i'd be very happy man nah for sure so i mean i gotta ask this too so with being you know Mm -hmm. in in canada right yeah starting your store in 2006 to where you're at now right i mean a lot of that time is you know is the drake era (laughs) yeah exactly a lot of the drizzy (laughs) yeah <laughs> nah for sure like what what does what does he mean i guess for you know i guess you as an entrepreneur in canada right is there any synergy with the with you know with the with the business with the way you, you are as an entrepreneur or you know are there any moments or anything to where you can credit drake or the drake era to any type of success or anything that you had going on at the locations or to your story okay um did you watch the Toronto Raptors when they were in the uh, in the finals? Oh yes, huge basketball. Fan. Um, yes. Okay, you saw everybody outside. They call it uh, Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. It That's was crazy Drake. out there. That's Drake. That shit didn't happen. The Toronto Raptors didn't have the fans that they had before Drake. Mm. People like to shit on Drake and be like, "Yo, he's this and he-. yo, Jake, Drake 
changed the whole entire landscape for Canada. Yeah. Like even I'm talking, ask the Canadian tourist board. Like he is credited for bringing billions of dollars with a B into Canada. Um, from a cultural standpoint, from like a you know urban cultural standpoint, nobody was fucking with Canada before Drake. <laughs> you know, yeah. you didn't come to you didn't come to Canada looking for rappers. You didn't do yeah. that. Nobody did that. You know, shout out to Cardinal Fischel, like. You know, yeah. Akon signed him. You heard a card. You heard a card. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Exactly. So, like, he kind of like, you know, you, you also can go back to Maestro Fresh West. Like, that's in like, you know, early '90s. So there has been people, but Drake took it to another level. He, for Canada and for hip hop, he let people know that you know we could not just come out as a Canadian act. Like, you could be an international, global like icon. You know, you have like the Celine Dion or Justin Bieber and. You know, there's a bunch of other Canadians, but for hip hop, for culture, of course, and and that has affected the store. That has affected every anybody who's within the urban culture um, in Canada. You have to you have to give credit to Drake, for sure, uh, hands down. Nah, that's that's real, man. That's real. Mm. And uh, I'm 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 ending with this, right? So you have your two books. You so you have a third one coming, yeah. right? So what would you say between between everything you've done? Right with the, with the storage entrepreneurial journey, uh, penning two books, making million millions of dollars. If you had to summarize all this up, right? What's been the most impactful and rewarding aspect of your entrepreneurial journey? I, I'm. It's going to sound like it's like I'm just saying it, but writing my books. Okay. That has been because I wanted. I started writing my books <clears throat> 13 years ago. 14 years ago when I was modeling, I've always, and it started out as a how-to book, like how to live your truth, how to live, you know, um, but it didn't pan out that way. It didn't work. I tried a different, different things, a YouTube channel, a meme page on Instagram and nothing worked. <laughs> yeah. Um, but writing my books, like, I don't want to like, I don't want on my casket to be like the sneaker guy, you know, that's not what I want to be known for. Um, I want to be known for my story. I want to be known for my journey. And that's encapsulated in my books. It will live on forever and ever and ever. And nobody could take it away from me. I could lose Nike accounts, Adidas accounts. Artists can leave me. Yo, you can't take away anything from inside of the pages of that book. It's me. I own it. It's, it's the only thing I've ever done that was all fully 100% trend. It's not dependent on anything or anybody else. So it's going to be my biggest accomplishment. Got you. And I'm I'm sorry I said that was the last question, but now you just drew this up too. Good. That's good. I like that. <laughs> but and for those who's gonna read it, right? Who, who's gonna read both of these books and get inspired, you don't have to tell us like everything, but just kind of like break down the process of that because you said you started 13, 14 years ago, and then there might have been a yeah. time where you really locked in on there, right? Once you're done, you're writing this, you, you wrote it. Now, what was their process to get it actually published and to be able to sit with us today and saying, hey, I penned a book. It's out. You can buy it. It's physical copy, yeah, tangible copy. Exactly. What was that process like? What's that process like of being of becoming an author? I see. I think I just realized it now. I think it's what we talked about before. It's not giving up. It's yeah. not stopping. You know, yeah. like I started it like writing it on planes as I was modeling, sitting down and like I write a couple of things. Be like, oh, this doesn't work. I give it to people. They'd be like, oh, it's okay. And then I'm like, oh. I'm going to put that down. And people, that's why people are like, oh my gosh, I'm so proud of you that you wrote this book because people who know me, I've always said, I'm going to write a book one day. Oh, I've written, you know, I have a hundred pages written. And <clears throat> that's why I credit the third book is going to be called how the lockdown saved, um, how quarantine saved my life is because, you know, think about a 13 years of all these things happening is when I was in lockdown and I decided to really, really look within me. And that's when everything came out with the book. You know, that's when I changed it. That's where I found myself. And I found from, you know, why are you writing a how-to guide? Like there's Tony Robbins does, does that, right, you know, right. like you need to leave your company now. You need to do this. So you need to do that. And I'm like, yo, that's just, it's not who I am. You know, right. I found my voice. I found my truth. So it just goes back to what we were talking about before. It's sticking through it, finding a way. The YouTube channel didn't work. The meme page didn't work. You know, the, everything didn't work. And then I found my voice. I wrote the first 20 pages and my friend was like, this is what you need to write. Talk like Trent, tell Trent's story. So 
you know, it's a 13 year journey of just not giving up, man. You know, you, you have an idea, you have a dream, you're not going to think of it and it's going to be perfect right away. Right. Who does that happen to, <laughs> you know, and, and nothing is going to happen before it's time because 10 years ago, I didn't have house sneakers ruin my life. That didn't happen. Right. That's why my books didn't come out. Everything happens for a reason. Nah, for sure. And then at what point did you reach out to editor when it was fully done or after those first 20 pages? Uh, no. So no, it was fully done. So I started in, I started July, September. Um, I had my first full draft. Then I, from, from that one person that gave that draft to around seven or eight people. Um, and then I rewrote a couple of things. I got to my fourth draft, sent it to my editor. You're supposed to send it at your final draft. He wrote, he sent it back to me. And I was like, yo, I'm a little nervous to put this out, man. He's like, yo, it's normal. It's the first time. Don't worry. And I'm like, no. So I really went back again. Make a long story short. It took me six months. January, I think 21st or 23rd, I submitted it um, to the printer. So it was a six month process. Um, but I was in a house in lockdown. So I don't know if I could write my third book that quickly. It's, <laughs> it's a lot to get all your ideas out, make sure it flows. You got it. The hardest part was take the young you know, authors out there, or anybody listening, the hardest part is not write. Well, for me, the hardest part is not writing. It's the flow and taking out and figuring out what are the important stories to tell. Gotcha. You know, it's like just like music, right? You do, you, you know, you make an album, you make you know eighty tracks. Now, okay, we got to pick the fourteen and we got to yeah, synchronize it. Yeah, so um, it was an amazing process. I'm excited to do it again and scared. <laughs> uh, that's amazing, man. If one thing I would, yeah. say, I, mean, I would definitely. Uh, co-sign what you guys are doing and definitely definitely want to make sure our audience supports and uh and get thank you get both the books uh we'll definitely be sharing those um but i also i always like to leave on a, a piece of advice a motivational it could be a quote yeah. or it could be you know a gym we talked about not giving up we talked about consistency um yeah. talking about going to therapy but you know what is one thing you want to leave, you know, our audience with? It could be, like I said, a quote. It could be okay. know, advice from you. Just kind of, this is your time to kind of share that with, you know, with our audience and people directly. Like I said earlier, I take a lot of things from different people and build a, a trend. So I don't like, I always like to make sure that I tell you where I get it from. So this comes from Jay-Z. Okay. The, the goal isn't to be rich or successful. The goal is to find out what your God-given ability is and live your life through that ability mm. that's deep i appreciate you sharing that brother um mm. make sure y'all follow trend out loud on instagram at trend out loud uh tell us where we can get both the books i'm sure we could definitely go on amazon which they have everything exactly uh, it's on <laughs> amazon right now i skipped the bookstores we might get to that you know later on but uh it's on amazon prime right now uh worldwide yeah, so no matter where you're at, go on Amazon. Exactly. Uh, get both the books, get copies, share it as your friends. Uh, a lot of our communities, entrepreneurs, and a lot of our community also um, are into sneakers. So we have best of both worlds. So Oh, that's dope. I'm excited, yeah, yeah, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah they're going to like that. I share a lot of things that it's like the back end of the sneaker business that a lot of you guys don't know about and different tiering systems and why does one store get this shoe and another mm -hmm. store doesn't get it? Um, there's a lot of like, kind of you know different things that are happening that that yeah. i'm not exposing but i'm just letting you know the sneaker world into so uh um, nah, i hope your listeners check that out definitely definitely man and uh, i have mine mm. coming so i'll definitely uh you know shoot you a message let you know my for sure and all that as well man so definitely appreciate your time trent man. Hi, so brother. A pleasure thank uh, you look forward to uh building with you in the future as well man definitely man reach out anytime man thank you very much for having me all right sounds great man appreciate you Hi, brother. always see y'all later take it easy man thank you peace Peace.